Welcome to The Working Ant with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ant. Let's go ahead and get started. In true fashion, let's first start out with a quote. And this is by uh, Marcus Aurelius. Very, very simple one, but one that I truly do love. And that is that men exist for the sake of one another. Men exist for the sake of one another. And I couldn't agree with that more. And and yes, if you're wondering what is that going to uh, relate uh, in terms of our time together today, that really is around our social capital, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so how we can actually build social capital. And I don't want to conflate this with networking because um, it is not. It has some elements of it, but this is certainly not around uh, networking. This is really just about the importance of social capital and how to acquire social capital. And then most importantly here on the practical side of things, how to make the most out of your social capital. That being said, let me go and start out with my, uh, my client's story. She asked that I share that with you. I think it's a very, very impactful one. This was a situation about a few years ago uh, when we had first met. And uh, this was back, you know, obviously pre-COVID times at my office um, in San Francisco. And uh, her situation at that time was quite dire. And dire is obviously a, a relative term, but, you know, I would say if any one of you had known what she had gone through, you would say, my gosh, you know, her, her situation uh, was definitely dire. Uh, she had almost just lost her mother, was the primary caretaker of her mother as a result, got laid off from her position about a few weeks later because for some reason, uh, according to her, it was determined that she could no longer keep up with the demands of her work. And so uh, as a result, she was uh, quickly laid off and replaced by someone uh, who could. Not only that, she had just gone through a divorce. And um, as a result of that, she had you know, lost uh, half of uh, what it is uh, that she uh, w was making. She was a primary breadwinner. And as a result, had to sell her uh, her home in San Francisco, her, her flat, her, her apartment in San Francisco. And so uh, that uh, was all going on right around the same time that she had come to me. And um, she was obviously in a very, very uh, bad uh, state of affairs, a bad state of mind. And I obviously could not fault her for feeling that way. But the one thing she latched on to, believe it or not, just to make this story even more interesting, uh, the one thing she, she latched on to was not the fact that she was taking care of her mom, not the fact that she had just lost her job, not the fact that she had just got a divorce, not that or she was going through divorce at the time, not the fact that she had just sold her home. What she had actually latched on to was this idea of, of ageism. And uh, she was dead set on this idea of, you know, Rami, no one is going to hire me. She was around, I think, 60 years old at that time. No one's going to hire me because of my age. No one's going to hire me because the skill set that I bring, even though it's an expertise, is not something that anyone, you know, couldn't replicate, could not replicate, meaning they, anyone could come in, learn her skill set and expertise in her world, take six to eight months in doing so, and would be able to, uh, to replace her work. And so um, this was the, the biggest fear that she had actually had, because when she had come to me, she had also done a lot of work on her own, which, which many people typically do, you know, and that is, you know, apply for roles, see what's out there, reach out to her immediate network, right? And ask if there was anything that was going on that she should be made aware of because of her situation. She reached out to her friends. She reached out to uh, mentors. She reached out to everyone she could, right? But uh, she had uh, this, this, this very, very deep belief that it was because of her age that she was not going to get a role. And for me, obviously, when I first met her, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, must be 
definitely her state of mind in so many ways because her state of mind certainly was impacting so much of her inability to get ahead. She was having interviews. She wasn't succeeding in those interviews. She was getting into final rounds, wouldn't convert, would get denied, you know, by these typical like, you know, ATS systems when she would apply somewhere. A lot of her friends were not getting back to her. A lot of her mentors, people that she knew for years, were not coming back to her uh, with that level of support that she thought, or at least she expected, they would give. And many times it actually happens to us, right? I mean, we're, we're expecting people to get back to us. We're expecting people to come through for us. You know, why is it that this person that I've known for years is not coming back and, and, and helping me out? You know, most especially it hurts when we've actually helped this person out at one point in their careers. What was going on with her in my assessment? What was not something related to her age, uh, more so than it was related to her state of mind. But this brought out a lot of, lot of things that we were, we were totally unaware of as it related to how we were going to be successful getting her to transition to her next, her next move, her next career. Um, and while ageism is definitely something real, um, if you want to call it age discrimination, um, it's definitely something real. You know, I, 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 I must sort of push back at times and say, you know, it's not someone's age as much as it is, you know, uh, their inability to capitalize on their social capital, to leverage their social capital. And, and when I'm speaking about age here, I'm speaking about someone who's later in their careers. So I'm talking about someone that was very much my client's age, which was around, you know, 60 years old. Um, I've obviously worked with clients that are, that are 70 years old um, and above, but you know, what really, really uh, captured my attention was number one, her state of mind, uh, which wasn't going to help her, um, won't help any of us, of course, when we were in that state of mind, but I obviously could not falter. I mean, this was someone that was going through so much, right? How could I fault her for being in a state of mind of such? But her age, I felt, was merely, uh, for the most part, an excuse. And uh, in this particular case, it certainly was an excuse. This was someone that had worked in an industry that required a level of extrovertedness, you know, always being on calls, always being on a phone. Think of like a stockbroker or a realtor, always being on calls, always being on a phone, always taking calls, always having meetings, even though she was actually introverted by nature. Having said that, you know, I, I didn't believe that it was more her age, but her inability to leverage her social capital. Not only that, she had no social optimism, uh, meaning that, you know, the people that she had, you know, built relationships with over the course of her life were unable to be there for her, to help her out for whatever reason. She had basically given up on so much of what she already had. And so I, I want to dedicate, you know, our time together today to talk about social capital and the importance of social capital, uh, which you probably already know. I'm going to reaffirm a lot of the importance of what social capital is, but really how can you sort of bring about a very healthy social capital? I'm going to be a little sort of unconventional in my approach here today. Um, I will sort of push some buttons here, I'm sure. Um, but what I really want to get to here is that, you know, it's, it's extremely important to have uh, social capital. And what do I mean by that? I really just mean that it's impossible really to be successful on your own. Uh, let's just be very, very clear here. And I'm going to repeat that statement. I truly believe that it is, it is absolutely impossible for you to be successful on your own. And I also believe that the sooner you could recognize this, the faster you'll understand that your social capital is the largest con contributor to your success. You know, more, more than your skill set, and more than your expertise, you know, unless you're like an Einstein of some sort that has this enormous amount of expertise, you know, you are going to be extremely, extremely facing a world of pain if you do not recognize just how much your social capital is actually one of the primary beings of your success. I mean, if we go back and we look at, you know, historical narratives of the most famous people in this world, you know, whether it's going to be a Shakespeare or a Mozart or whomever it is, right? I mean, I quote a lot of like Stoicism, right? I quote a lot of like Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, um, Aristotle, Socrates, you know, a lot of these like Stoic-based quotes. And I'm a big, big fan of Stoicism, but yet all of these people, um, all of these people would not have been successful 
had it not been for their social capital. You know, I, I truly do believe there were many Einsteins of this world. I truly do believe that there were many Socrates and Plato's and Aristotle's and Epictetus's and, and, and gladiators as, 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 as grandiose as, as a Marcus Aurelius or a Napoleon or, or whomever, right? Or even a Jean d'Arc, right? Uh, John of Arc, you know, like, you know, I, I truly do believe that had it not been for their ability to have these social relationships and have a strong social capital, well, you know, th their, their, their accomplishments, their achievements would have just been somewhere in the dustbands of, of history versus, you know, being so much more socially relevant as they are today. Meaning if they did not have these relationships, this ability to impact people, to move them based on their interactions with them, then their achievements, well, you know, there wouldn't have been such great achievements. They wouldn't have actually made it to their history books of, of where we are today. So again here, the sooner you recognize, you know, that it's impossible to be successful on your own, meaning you have to have a level of social capitalism in your life, you know, the better it's going to be for you. And again here, more so than your skill set, more so than your expertise, more so than your education and your certifications, more so than your extrovertedness, for those of you that are extroverted, you know, more so than your charm, or even for those of you that are introverted, right, that are very measured in your leadership, you know, more so than that. Your social capital is the best investment you could ever make for yourself. It's the one of the very few investments in your life that you can bet will return dividends in rewards in the future. And again, you're, you know, based on all these historical narratives that I've, that, I, that I've said, you know, remember that it's not your accomplishments in, in your life that, that will have you remembered, but it's your effect of those uh, that you interact with, right? And for those of you that are thinking to yourself, okay, you know, social capital, I mean, what does that actually mean? Does it mean that, you know, I have to have a number of friends? No, this definitely does not mean having a large amount of friends to have social capital. And for those of you that are asking, Rami, does this mean that I have to be a great networker to have social capital? No, it doesn't mean that you have to be a great networker to have social capital either. Although this does help, right? And, our, and our, having a lot of friends and, and, so, and, and having social capital through our friends helps. I think, you know, personally for me and, and for my clients, it's more of like an emotional sort of help, right? Like if we're feeling bad about something, we're not feeling good about where we are today, we want someone to vent to, to talk to, um, having friends, you know, that would be great, you know, uh, but, but, but this does not contribute to the social capital that I'm speaking about in a professional manner that is going to help accelerate your goals and help accelerate your careers. And, and I'm gonna share with you, share with you why here. You know, if, if you look at our friends, of course, and the people that we interact with on, on, a, on a social level, right, and meaning here specifically our friends, and even those actually we work with today, right, it, it's sort of like, you know, it, it, it goes back to a lot of like what we talked about before, right? We, we sort of like supply and receive very much of the same information. If anything, we receive very much of the same information. And so if we receive so much of the same information, what does that actually mean? It really just means it's going to reaffirm a lot of the biases we already have. It, it, it reconfirms them. If, if anything, it just reconfirms them. So it doesn't do really much for us when we're looking to do something different for ourselves or, I mean, amplify and accelerate here. And I want to like sort of like double down on those two words you know, our career transition process, or even up-leveling ourselves in our, in our current workplace, right? It's extremely important that we recognize this. And so, you know, while, while my clients, you know, sort of narrative on age discrimination and ageism bothered me so much, and her, 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 really her feeling that her expertise and her experience was, 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 had little relevance, right? And little, little sort of effect on her next transition. You know, the way we looked at things, with the way you eventually looked at things was we, we, we cannot, you know, expect people to, to come support us, you know, when in fact so much of their support is outside of both our control and their control, right? You know, control in itself, I think, in many ways, if we look at our time today and the times that we're living in, is, is very illusion-like, right? I mean, we, we cannot control, you know, what's going on today. We, we simply cannot. There, there's too many elements going on today 
that give us any sort of like sense of true feeling and control of like what others are going to be able to do for us. And so going back to it, no surprise here, you know, what is it we can actually do for ourselves? So, you know, I, I think here, most importantly, for those of you that, those of you that known me, have known me for, for quite some time, you know that I sort of really emphasize our, our state of mind here. You know, we've got to see things for what they are. You know, maybe a grim situation, but we've got to see things for what they are. Um, and we've got to be very, very tempered in our response because we must be tempered in our response. Um, and by the way, I'll even, you know, sidetrack here for just a moment. Let's make no mistake about it. Um, you know, my, my client here was a very, very nice person. She was, she was a good person. But let's not make no mistake about it. I mean, there are others, of course, that are looking for career transitions, others that have actually come to me in very similar circumstances. But those uh, are, are people that I chose not to work with. Um, and those are people that I chose not to help because, you know, they had an attitude of, you know, I have run people to the ground, you know, my entire professional life. You know, I expect people to come to me because of my experience, my education, uh, what I've actually done, the achievements that I've actually made. And I found uh, that a lot of these people, although they have done extraordinary things and achievements in their life, their likability was just down the tubes. It was just down the drain. And if they're not likable, well, well, how on earth, you know, am I going to be able to help them if they cannot actually help themselves and come to realize, you know, that that this sort of way of, of dealing with people throughout their professional career was in no way going to help. In fact, you know, I'll even go further here and say, you know, just being kind, you know, to people that we interact with today can pay dividends um, in the future. You know, this is a, obviously a very, very small world. There's a wheel of fortune going on here. Your client today you know, could be in a different capacity in the future. You know, you reporting it to somebody today doesn't necessarily mean that this person wouldn't report to you in the future. Um, I have gone through this myself. You know, I, I have seen people time and time again, you know, sort of like reaffirm that. And I think uh, it wouldn't be any surprise to you to know that, you know, the people that we interact with today in a particular capacity can go on in their careers and do something, you know, vastly different uh, where our interactions with them uh, would obviously align uh, with, with that difference in the future. Nevertheless, you know, this is for those of you that, that truly, truly love yourselves first and foremost, um, and obviously, uh, you know, have high hopes uh, for yourselves um, in your future career transition. And so what I want to talk about is, you know, are, are a few ways that we can actually build our social capital, because in my particular, in my particular case with my client, I will say that despite her feeling that her age uh, was, was something that was going to uh, be the detriment and demise of her professional transition, it was actually her inability to leverage her social capital that really uh, what was the problem here. You know, her feelings towards it, her feelings towards people. And, you know, let's make no mistake about it. When we've been betrayed before, uh, when we have had people come up short, um, and our expectations of them, you know, we certainly feel a particular way. You know, I, I could tell you, you know, a, a lot of people that I know, you know, go through this all the time. I was working with someone in real estate about a month ago uh, who was burned by a client of hers after uh, I think it was over three or four years of an amazing relationship. And as a result, you know, she started putting a lot of these stricter uh, limitations um, and, and, and enforcing a lot of these things that she, she typically would not do for, you know, prospective clients. And she was actually wondering why business was so bad, right? So we can't let that one thing sort of determine how it is we're going to be acting in the future. Nevertheless, when it comes to building up our social capital, the first thing that I want you to do is to be socially optimistic. I mean, seriously, um, you need to be socially optimistic. You, you, you've got to believe that most people would love to speak with you, would love to interact with you, would love to have you as part of their team and their organization. If you are unable to do so, I think you're going to be putting yourself at a very, very large disadvantage. And for those of you that have worked with me one-on-one, -on -one, you have heard this from me time and time again, you know, this is in the form of like loving yourself, you know, understanding and believing that, you know, your contributions, you know, to a particular organization in the future is going to be beneficial for those people. You know, I have gone far and beyond um, in trying to emphasize that, you know, people's recommendations of you, what they have actually said of you is in fact a great representation of you. You know, if, if, if you feel that, you know, your presence in, in an organization, 
and it's not going to be, you know, to their benefit, you've got much, much larger problems going on for you. Um, and so, you know, part of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn recommendations, you know, well, I mean, for myself, I, 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 I could tell you like, you know, when I read them, you know, it just reminds me of just, you know, what my potential is, who it is that I am, uh, you know, the, the, the influence and impact that I've made on my, my, my clients' lives. It's the same thing when it goes, in your case, right? Thinking about, you know, reading some of these recommendations and understanding like, look what you've done. Look at the amazing things that you have done for other people. Look what they say about you. Look how they feel. You know, read those things um, and read them constantly over and over and over again, because that in itself puts you in a state of mind where you can actually come to terms in believing that what it is that you do, who it is that you interact with, the work and output that, that you will actually achieve in whatever organization is going to be beneficial you know, to whomever it is we're going to be interacting with, right? I think I've driven that point home, you know, several times now. But number two here, which I think is quite bold in saying this, find ways to help others with zero expectations. You know, so many people, including ourselves, would love help, right, of some sort. We'd love help of some sort. We do obviously love help, but we don't, we don't typically ask for help, do we? But if we find ways to help other people, we're actually setting ourselves up to be helped one day from those very same people. So, you know, this is sort of, you know, if you're, if you're in your current workplace, if, you know, you are not in a particular case working with someone cross-functionally, find a way to do so. If it's someone in another organization that you can help out, find a way to do so. I interact with people even though you may not have anything be given to you in return at the moment, like literally have zero expectations. If you do that more often, um, you will be setting yourself up to build an extremely beneficial social capital in the future. See, that has nothing to do with networking here, right? For those people that you actually know, you know, find ways where you can contribute in some way to help them out with, with zero expectations, whether it's just being another ear um, another voice, another kind voice. Uh, if you don't want to go outside of your inner circle, find ways to help. If you've read a book, recommend it. You know, if you have written up a report that will help others, recommend it. I'm at a client years ago that I used to refer to. You know, she always wanted to be in banking. She couldn't, she couldn't actually be a banker. That's what, at least what she thought until she started putting together reports like metrics. She would pull all these reports from other places and she would send out these reports to people she thought would be beneficial. And our strategy was we'll send them out for three months and then stop sending them out for a week. And as soon as we did so, we found that some of these same people that never, ever, ever interacted with her came back and said like, hey, where is that report? Uh, you stopped sending it. And I actually found that to be really, really beneficial. You know, again here, you know, having zero expectations um, and helping other people will set us up for a world of success, I believe, in the future. Building up an, an amazing social capital, which, which is incredible. Um, and, and obviously, in my very, very optimistic point of view, if anything, if you actually disagree with that, I will say this. Doing that exact practice will actually make you a better person. It actually will. Being, you know, the service of others will actually make you a better person. So even if you actually will not achieve the level of social capital you are intending, well, at the very, very least, it makes you a much, much better person. Being in the service of others is a beautiful thing. Find ways to help. Find ways to contribute. You know, and if you're on the career transition path, and you're taking what we talk about and sharing it with others, find ways to contribute there. You know, share what it, what it takes to make a great LinkedIn profile with somebody else. Share some of the questions that we, we talk about in our sessions with one another and our times with one another and share them with other people. Share what it is that you've learned with other people. I, I think that is a wonderful thing. Beyond your skill set and expertise, if you feel like you, wanna, you don't want to be doing that, you know, being in the service of others is extremely, extremely beneficial. And again here, if anything, it helps you become a much better person. One thing that I'd love to share with you as well, which I think is absolutely amazing in the times that we live in, because there are silver linings here, is that, you know, I think this whole, you know, lockdown, shutdown, going virtual has actually leveled the playing field. It really has leveled the playing field, uh, meaning that you don't have to go 
and do in-person networking anymore. Uh, for those of you that feel introverted in nature, or even those extroverts that really don't feel like interacting with people one-on-one -on -one or in large group social settings, you know, this whole virtualization and digitization of, of the world that we're living in has certainly leveled the playing field that we're in. And with that, with that being said, we'll look at what it's actually done. You can actually join virtual groups. You can join virtual networking groups, you know, through virtual platforms. And you don't have to worry about, you know, getting yourself and, and dressing up or looking preppy or whatever it is uh, to a networking event. You don't have to go print your business cards and, and distribute them or wonder, you know, where you're going to be in the buffet line, you know, when you're going to be interacting with people and, and what that's going to look like. You don't have to do any of that stuff, right? You can do that, you know, from the comfort of your own home with a background of your choosing that would represent you in some way, but it actually has been, you know, in this case, yes, the great equalizer, but for sure, you know, on the networking side, it certainly has become the great equalizer. You know, um, you know, if you look at the science behind things, and it's really interesting here when you look at things like this, um, I think it was drinkers, people that actually drink, that are social drinkers, you know, or just, or drinkers in general, they typically make, I think it's between seven and 17% more income than those that actually don't drink. And the reason why is because, you know, people that actually do drink are actually more inclined to be in social settings, right? Uh, they, they, they go and they, they, they go to an uh, you know, after party bar or happy hour and they're interacting with so many more people that the more their social capital actually is, you know, the, the more they're going to find roles and positions in their future career transitions through those very same people. And those very same people who feel very, very fondly about these people, uh, meaning their likability is quite high, are typically going to go out of their way to maximize their compensation. It's no wonder then uh, that drinkers actually make more money th than others. And these are, yes, typically extroverted people, and that's just the science and data behind it, you know, that actually are making more money through their social capital, through their drinking. Now, are they healthier? Well, probably not, you know, but, you know, uh, at least in the short term here, their, their social capital is quite large, right? And that, uh, that short-term investment, uh, you know, pays, pays dividends um, in the long term. So that's something to actually realize, you know, and so we don't actually have to do any of those things these days. Uh, we just have to be in the comfort of our, of our own home doing just that. Number four here, brush up on your skills uh, with, 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 with some courses that allow you to interact with other people. Now, he, here's, here's the twist here to this. You know, don't just brush up on those courses, uh, but brush up on courses of people that you actually want to interact with. It's kind of like, you know, um, a piece of advice I was given, I think it was, uh, you know, it was by someone with the, the last name of Ford, who was very much related to the Henry Ford and, you know, Henry Ford, the, 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 the car maker, of course. Um, and one thing they actually said in their families as it related to drinking was, you know, Rami, you don't have to be a drinker to be social, you know, order a, a tonic, with, with the lime at, you know, the most expensive bar in, in, in a lush neighborhood and find people there that you can actually interact with. And you could do so, you know, without being under the influence of alcohol. And actually, I took that advice very, very seriously. I practiced it a, a couple of times myself. Of course, in these settings, it's very, very different. The reason why, you know, I was given that advice before was like, you know, Rami, if you want to meet like, you know, high net worth individuals, you want to go to these places, right? And people in sales, you know, this may be like, oh, I've heard this be a long time, you know, before that. I don't need someone related to Henry Ford to actually tell me that, Rami. Uh, well, in this case, you know, in the digital world, you know, if we actually do want to meet people um, in a virtual setting, you know, let's find out, you know, where your boss's boss is getting their, their new skill set and expertise. Where are they brushing up, you know, and doing so? And the best thing about it is, you know, if they're going to be going to these very prestigious institutions, remember that the, you know, purchasing power to actually, you know, to take a course in these institutions virtually has dramatically, dramatically increased for you and decreased uh, for that institution. Meaning, you know, what used to cost so much money um, is actually costing so little. And there's, because there's so much competition and the world that we're actually living in obviously demands that. So, you know, a course that would cost, you know, many tens of thousands of dollars um, is now in the single digits. 
when it comes to these larger institutions. And for those of you um, in the Bay Area, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm referring to, you know, the Stanfords, the Berkeleys, the Whartons um, in San Francisco, you know, even I think the, uh, the, the, um, the Stern School of Business as well, like here in San Francisco, you know, th- there are many, many, many places that don't require so much money to attend because they're not in person anymore. So think about that. Think about that actually when it relates to you know, where your boss may be doing this. And I say this because I want you to, to build up your, your social capital here. Another really big one that a lot of people actually do not do, and in fact, most people don't have this, I would be a strong, strong proponent of it. And that is, you know, finding a mentor. Uh, find a mentor. And if you can't find a mentor or don't want to have a mentor, you know, have like a dear diary of some sort, you know, have like a journal of some sort where you can actually mentor and coach yourself if you don't want to go that route, right? But I'm a really, really big believer in finding a mentor, someone who can give you some very, very helpful tools to make you do your job better. And this is, you know, different than having a coach, but having someone who specializes in the actual industry that you're, that you're in. Mentors, you know, I'll, I'll say this, don't typically cost much. If you're an entrepreneur, it may be just a small percentage of, of what it is that you have in your business. You know, for those of us that want to have mentors in the industry, it could be, you know, getting sort of mentorship from them so we can actually mentor other people um, in the future. But having a mentor, someone who has gone through what you have gone through or someone who has gone through what you aspire to actually be is en- enormously beneficial. Just having this person in the industry that has gone through what you are intending to go through and giving some really good pertinent feedback and advice would be amazing. But you know what? Let's go further than that because otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be your proud host and coach and and confidant here, I would say from your mentor, you know, ask for introductions, ask for people in their, in their scope of, of influence and their scope of proximity to be introduced to. And I think the easiest way for you to really understand the power of your potential is asking your mentor to do just that. I think your mentor would be able to really open up the doors for you if they actually did believe in you, because in some way, you are a representation of them, right? Because, you know, they are your mentors. And so by default, you know, they have a stake in your career. Well, why not then, you know, test the waters of your relationships with them by asking them, you know, to make an introduction for you of some sort. I think that's a great way to sort of test, you know, how it is or how strong the relationship that you have uh, with your mentor is. You know, another one here, which, you know, may not go down so well for a lot of you, but I want to say it anyways, you know, the science behind being more extroverted, you know, just just proves that you have, you know, a stronger likelihood uh, of success through your social capital, through your social capital, meaning if you're more extroverted in nature, you are more likely to build up a much stronger social capital. That social capital is more than likely to help you in a future career transition that'll actually bode and fare quite well for you, not just at, at, a, at a higher level coming in in terms of you know a title um, or level of impact and influence, but also at a level of compensation. So you know, please, 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 uh, for those of you that are introverted, and I know there's plenty of you that that are that are listening to me today. You know, remember, being more extroverted can actually help you. It helps, and it helps a lot. You know, remember, it's people that open doors here, right? Even technology today, as, as great as it is, you know, has struggled to keep up with this idea of, you know, having that very personal relationship, right? You remember, uh, it's just like, it, it just, it, it is what it is, right? It's not what you know more so than who it is that you know that will actually bode and, and fare much more uh, positively for you and your career. I fought this a long time ago. Most people that I know fought this a long time ago. Most people that fight this um, are those that are typically early on in their careers and that would say, you know what, I had the best education or I worked so my tail off to actually get this degree. Why is it that, you know, this degree won't actually open doors for me? They, it certainly will very early on in your career because most people will actually want you to specialize in something. But, you know, as we grow in our careers, uh, we typically generalize. So meaning the longer you have stayed in your career, the more likely that you have actually moved from a specialization to a generalization. It, it, the numbers just say just that, right? The longer you have spent in your career, the more of a generalist you're going to be. 
if you're going to be more of a generalist, then why not, you know, grow your social capital and then understand the power of your social capital as it relates, you know, to making a future career transition. So what this basically means is that, you know, if I'm a generalist today and I have moved from specializing in something to generalizing in something, well, what, what does that mean? That means that if I were to be out of a job, if I didn't have anything going on right now, I either will have to have a very, very strong specialization in something if I'm going to go the more traditional path or, you know, which is what I'm actually promoting here is having a very, very strong social capital. And that way I can actually interact with people that I have built relationships with over the course of time that are going to be more likely to be in power and power and influence and decision-making authority and hiring management capacity that will actually open those doors for me and get me a role that I may not be specifically aligned with based on my skills and expertise, but very much so culturally and, and as it relates to my values. So isn't that actually quite great? I, I think it is. I mean, you know, if you think about it that way, you know, the numbers just speak here for themselves. Another one here, which I've actually said to a lot of my one-on-one -on -one clients, and I'll say this again to you, um, is that, you know, make the time, right? Carve out time. You know, just like you carve out time for exercise, just like yours truly carves out times for walks, you know, or carves out time to, to go see family or to read, you know, carve out some time to connect with other people. You know, like carve out a couple hours a week. You know, hold, hold, for example, like these, you know, weekly happy hours. And I'm telling you, like th this lockdown, you know, a lot of people want to be back at the office now. A lot of people want this hybrid approach as well. People are going to miss having a lockdown one day precisely for these reasons. You know, of course, you know, I'm not dismissing the severity of what is going on right now. It's just unprecedented. I was, I think it was actually reading today in my LinkedIn feed, you know, that, you know, I think we're at record numbers here in the United States and, you know, and, and Europe is like, you know, on another lockdown. I think, you know, the UK might may going, may be going into another, you know, a government imposed lockdown and Italy has done the exact same thing. I think France has done that now as well. So, I mean, who knows, you know, where we're going to be today? I mean, who knows what the future is going to be? It's, it's, it's scary. I don't want to dismiss the severity of this at all. And I know a lot of you actually know people that have gone through, um, you know, what a devastating time, right? I'm trying to see the silver lining here as it relates to your career transition. I'm not trying to diminish or demean the severity of the situation that we're in. But, you know, we are, in fact, on the career side of things, at a, you know, great equalizing opportunity here where we can actually network, you know, instead of doing this in person, we can just do this virtually. So make the time for it. Make the time for it, you know, whether it's, you know, every day for 15, 20 minutes or every week for a few hours. And yeah, it, it does take that much time, right? I mean, you've got to nourish your network. I've said this in the program. Nourish your network before needing your network. You don't want to end up like Earl, you know, for those of you that have taken the program, um, you know, and so it's really important that you do carve out time. You must be deliberate here in your approach to do so. Not necessarily preemptive or intentional, you know, in these conversations, but more so deliberate and actually generating conversations for yourself. You know, for those of you that are in roles uh, today that feel comfortable, you know, doing so, I'm a huge proponent of Calendly. You know, I love this tool. You know, for those of you that, you know, are, are not sure how to get it, you can go to my, my website and just see how people schedule time with me and be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, what, how Calendly works. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. You know, I, I pay for the professional version, but you can use it for free. And, um, and by using it, you know, people can actually just book some time with you, you know, have the opportunity to do so. And this is not, you know, from an I need something from someone perspective. When we talk about social capital, you know, we're looking at things like, you know, I'm in a position to help somebody else. And you better believe that you actually are. You are certainly in a position to help somebody else. So please, 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 you know, provide the opportunity for people to do just that. I know most of you probably have, I'm presuming that you do, at least for those of you that have taken my program or have worked with me one-on-one, -on -one, you know, have your email and your summary, right? On your LinkedIn summary. But, you know, maybe you can go a little further and, you know, add some media, for example, with a Calendly account. And you can actually, you know, promote people actually scheduling some time with you. And you can actually just, you know, just literally just block off a particular time during the week. That's the only time I'm going to network with other people. Here it is. You could create different URLs where you could say like, this is okay for my networking. You know, this could be, you know, for the people that I'm reaching out to. This could be, you know, for, for something else completely. You know, try to, 
dedicate some time, but add some structure and organize it, right? Uh, when you're thinking about, you know, how you can carve out some time for uh, not just networking here, but building up your, your social capital. And then uh, here's another one here that I think is, uh, is, is quite important. Maybe, maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, but I certainly will emphasize it. You know, I would say ha have a budget. You know, I think, you know, when, when we are actually spending our hard-earned cash towards something, we have a much higher level of expectation. So, you know, if you're going to be using like a tool like Calendly and it's free, well, the likelihood of you really feeling bad if it's not working for you is going to be slim to none, right? Because it's free. But if you've actually paid for something, you're more likely to actually use it because it's like, oh, okay, I'm actually taking money out of my pocket to spend on something. You know, I would actually expect that I'll actually get something from it. So, so have a budget. Have a budget towards what, you may be asking. You know, if you want to take this, you know, to another level, I would say, you know, have a budget where you can create a personal website for yourself. I think that's amazing. You know, um, you know think about, you know, investing in a program doesn't necessarily have to be yours truly. You know, it could be somewhere else, of course. You know, invest in something that can truly, truly increase your ability, you know, to, to create a, a level of social capital that you want, whether that's your likability, uh, whether it's your believability, whether it's your future capability, your, your aspirations, whatever that may be, but invest in something to build up your social capital. It could be a course like I was talking about earlier. It could be investing in a webinar platform to host a webinar, you know, that could be recorded. It could be, you know, a, a premium account on, on, on YouTube. It could be, you know, just something, it could be a cost per impression somewhere, you know, on Facebook. And for the new generation, which is maybe I shouldn't say actually new generation, because I think more and more people are using TikTok. I could never imagine myself using it, of course, maybe with time that could change. But you know, investing in something where you actually can bring people to you, right? Invest in something that actually generates some more social capital for you. It doesn't have to be much. It could be 50 bucks a month, you know, something like that, you know, where you can invest in social capital something that actually can bring you more more social capital that can generate a lead for you in some way. I'm a big big believer in that even if you actually hired a photographer to take a picture of yourself that is more professional and friendly for someone viewing you over LinkedIn then all the power to you. You know, these are just ways that you could think about increasing your social capital through a through through some sort of a budget. You know, if you were if we were you know, in a time where, you know, we'd have a lot of in-person interactions, I would say, you know, invest in, you know, uh, business cards, you know, uh, just, you know, having something like that where you can actually just keep something, you know, on hand that you could distribute to other people when you actually would meet them, right? There's, there's ways that we can invest in social capital. And I'm a big, big believer in investing in something where by doing so, you'll actually be more inclined to use it or make the most out of it, right? If I'm going to, you know, invest in anything, right? I want to make sure that I'm using it, you know, to the max. I'm, actually, I'm at the very, very least leveraging it in some way because I'm paying for it. It would be wrong, morally and ethically wrong to pay for something when you're not actually using it, right? So that's, that's something that I strongly would recommend. And then one thing here, you know, more on the Rami side of things. And if you, 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 you've gotten to know me, you know, for, for the last few years, you know, or even, you know, the last few months, you know, I'll say, you know, one thing that I truly do love, th that I love to do, that I would love for you to consider doing is, is, is following up with people. Even in, you know, and, and I talked about a case earlier where you know, there was nothing in it for you, but this is really just where there actually is something in it for you because there always is in some way, right? I love, I love the, the approach of just, you know, I'm thinking about you approach. You know, I can't tell you how many times like I'll drop emails in the week or messages over LinkedIn and just tell people that I'm thinking about you. You know, hey, I'm thinking about you. You crossed my mind. How are you? Even if I don't actually get a response and believe it or not, there are a lot of times I don't get a response. I would say sometimes 50% of the time I won't get a response. But a few years down the line, I will get a response or a few months down the line, I certainly will get a response, right? I love this. And if I could just impart this on you and gift this to you, I certainly would. It's like, it's almost like if Rami had, you know, a magic wand right now, I'm literally waving my, my arms in the air right now. And I would, it's like, you know, shoot something over to you. I, I, it would be precisely this, you know, reaching out to people and telling them, I'm thinking about you. You crossed my mind. 
you know, I, I've been thinking about you lately. It could be, it could, you could start doing this with some friends, you know, people you haven't spoke to in a very, very long time. But if you get in the habit of doing this, can't tell you how beautiful it is. You know, actually, I can't tell you how much better of a person you actually will be to do just that. You know, be amazing if you could do it. I can't tell you how many opportunities have actually come my way simply because of that. And this is not because, you know, I'm doing it because I want an opportunity. These are people that have actually worked with me in the past. You know, these are people that I've interacted with in the past. I've been colleagues of mine in the past, classmates of mine in the past, just writing them, letting them know that I'm thinking about them. There's nothing more beautiful than that. You know, if, if you'd like to actually get a good sense of what your network looks like and maybe some people that you actually would like to reach out to, download your contacts on LinkedIn. You know, download those contacts. You know, for those of you that are taking my program, you know, it's, it's really, really easy. You know, I have, I think, a, like a video of how to do that, but you could easily just find out how to do so on, by, by yourself. LinkedIn doesn't make it easy for you, but you, you could find out how to do that on your own. Download your contacts over LinkedIn. Right. Look at the landscape of people that you have built a network with over time. Some obviously, you know, much more intimately than others. But at the very, very least, when you look at this, you ask yourself, like, who can I reach out to today? You know, highlight those things, you know, try to get through them. You know, people that, you know, in, in this particular case, what's nice about it is you can actually look at who you connected with, you know, first, like years back, you know, when you connected to those people. And that's really, really cool. You know, I, I love that LinkedIn provides that, of course. And I think most social platforms do. But, you know, just having that, right? And just like reaching out to people and just saying, hey, you know, I, I thought about you. I can't tell you how amazing it is. Like, you know, when you, you, know, you can make someone's day that way. Uh, I, I can't emphasize, you know, how many people that we both know that are, that are extremely lonely, that are extremely isolated, especially during times like these, right? I mean, mental health companies, I mean, stocks, they have shot up through the roof, Right. Mental wellness programs are scaling like never before, right? Educational programs, although they're scaling, I mean, sometimes we ask ourselves like, okay, to, to what end, to what means, right? When you, you cannot be in a good state of mind based on your state of affairs. How many people do you know today that have lost their work or or living at the very, very least in a world of uncertainty, right? Check in with those people, you know, be kind to your neighbor. I think um, there's a particular book in a particular chapter that reminded me of this, I mean, obviously there's a lot of material here, but I, and I really, really do love this book. I actually wrote it down in my notes for today. It's called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Um, this is by Eric Barker. I, I truly love this book. Um, I love the style of the way this, this book is written. It's really just about, you know, like debunking a lot of like myths of what it is that we know. It's, it's kind of like the style of Freakonomics, if you've actually heard of that book, but more in a social sort of like way. Um, and a lot of what I'm talking about today, I think, uh, resonates um, in, in his book in, in chapter four. I don't actually remember the name of, of that chapter. Actually, I probably could look that up. Here it is. It's actually, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know, unless it really is what you know. <laughs> so uh, it's actually a quite an interesting chapter, you know, and it's a, it's a really, really great book. I really do love this book. I always certainly would recommend it. A lot of um, what I talk about today, you know, relates to some of the things that were mentioned in this book. But, you know, going back to this last point that I made about following up with the, I'm thinking about you, um, we're sending us just a small note here. Now, I want you to be, be kind to people you know, be kind to people. Like, how hard is that? But do so by being kind to yourself, of course, first and foremost, so you can be kind to other people, but be kind and, and don't wait for so long in your life, you know, to, to be kind, right? Um, check in with people, you know? Um, and as I said before, you know, a lot of people are just lonely, you know, check in. D don't wait for a tragedy or a celebratory sort of event to take place for you to check in with other people. You know, remember, you know, I, I said this before in the program, I say this all the time, you know, people remember how you feel, right? How you made them feel rather, right? And that actually has a lot to do with how you feel, right? Because we impart how we feel upon other people. You know, don't forget the power of that. You know, it's amazing if you can actually, you know, do so, you know, so if you want to like, you know, network, you know, here, and I'm, I'm switching gears for just a, just a couple seconds here. You know, if you want to share industry insights, if you want to post, if you want to do that to mine and, and bring people into your network and bring people into the fold, you certainly can. But just being kind, you know, with, with people in your existing network, not asking you to network and, you know, increase your network size, but just, you know, 
the people that you've always you've interacted with once upon a time, right? Just being being kind enough to check in with those people. I think that increases your your ability to have so much more social capital than you could ever really truly imagine. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. I think there's another quote by Marcus Aurelius. It says something like, I think it was taken from from one of his excerpts. It was something around like the happiness and unhappiness of the rational social animal depends not on what he feels, but on what he does, right? Just as his virtue and vice consist not in feeling, but in doing. And doing things like this, I mean, how beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? And so, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. And I think it's a really, really important topic. I think a lot of people, you know, don't think about this or think about it in extremes. It's like, you know, social capital means networking and I don't want to network and that's just not me. Well, you know, I gave you so many ways here today, you know, to just build up your social capital. I think I just mentioned networking, what, two, three times, you know, in the end here, if you want to go out and actually aggressively and deliberately network, you certainly can do so. But most of these, right, uh, I think, you know, vast, overwhelming majority of these um, have nothing to do with networking just has to do with particular actions that we could take to build up our social capital. That's simple, simply that, right? With, with our existing sort of relationships. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute Real Talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit ramibalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?